Welcome to Business Talk with Henriette. This is the space where we talk with the most up-and-coming entrepreneurs to figure out how they've built the life of their dreams. And today we are in New York City, on the top of the world, in the Big Apple, and we are so lucky to speak with Yale, Yale Schimmer. Yale Schimmer, right? Exactly. <laughs> and she's the co-founder and CCO, Chief Customer Officer of Tulu which actually transforms the way we consume. So Tulu provides an on-demand access to the day-to-day -day things residents in buildings need and, and want. Everything you, you kind of rent out, essentials from home essentials to printers to scooters and, and a lot of things that you kind of need and but is maybe expensive to buy, but you can rent it for a little period of time. And last year you raised a $25 million Series A funding. That's very impressive. And you're also like helping people rent the things they need instead of buying them. You are a Forbes 30 under 30. You're from Israel, Tel Aviv. And prior to co-founding Tulu, you have been an environmental entrepreneur and you've led several ventures in the field of urban communities and sustainable living. So you are a Tel Aviv University alumni with a degree in environmental studies. And today I want to focus on your story, how you've made it so far. You've lived in New York City for four years. And what does it actually take to become a successful entrepreneur today? And what can we do to also consume less and share more? Welcome to Business Talk, Yale. Henrietta, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for hosting me and I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, exciting. It's so exciting to have you here in my rooftop and we're looking out. So inspiring and we're going to take over the world. So let's just start with you, Yale. Tell me about your story, your upbringing. What made you the person you are today? Yeah, um, it, it is kind of surreal sitting down in New York and overseeing the beautiful city and the space and the buildings and wearing even this outfit and, and thinking about the little girl I was. And yeah, yeah I, was, I grew up in a really small village uh, in the south of Israel and moved to North Carolina when I was a teenager to go to middle school and high school um, because of my dad's job. I think that was kind of the first time I was getting excited by changes. Instead of being shocked, I was like, oh, okay, let's do it. It's an adventure. I'm going to grow. Um, Obviously, maybe I remember it quite differently than it was. I'm sure I was kind of scared, but, you know, my parents would share how I took on the challenge of moving to a new country. And when I was about 17, I moved back home to Israel. Mm. I actually went to the military. It's mandatory mm. for two years. And as I graduated the military, I discovered the world of minimalism. Mm -hmm. I was so inspired by just like really content I saw on YouTube and Spotify. And I remember seeing people that shared how minimalism changed their life and how simplifying their wardrobe and their furniture just really opened up mental space. And I decided to take on minimalism and moved uh, to Paris along my studies. I studied environmental science and uh, some urban planning and Paris was also a great opportunity to learn more about the climate change, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the climate topic, I would say. Mm. And I decided I wanted to do something about consumerism specifically. Mm -hmm. It was a natural fit to me. 
And that kind of led me to a series of entrepreneurial adventures uh, yeah. in the world of urban farming and then in the world of food, food, wasting, food waste and, and food saving. And one day I realized that I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship and I decided to apply to a fellowship in Boston. And that's where everything started with Tulu. So why have you always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit in you? What, what kind of drove you towards entrepreneurship? Because entrepreneurship is not necessarily for, for everyone, right? So what do you think it's, it was about you that made you want to go into entrepreneurship? I think entrepreneurship um, gets a reputation um, for people who are following business podcasts and they're following... <laughs> Um, you know, Fortune magazines and Forbes. And, and, and for me too, I thought entrepreneurship was something that was not a part of my trajectory. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work on this little project and then I'm going to work on this project. And, you know, sooner than later, I realized that this is entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is you deciding you want to tackle something and mm -hmm. you initiate and invent and, 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 and kind of roll out a project from nothing. And that makes you an entrepreneur. So you can be a social entrepreneur or a for-profit entrepreneur, it doesn't matter, but as long as you want to tackle something that's not existing or you want to invent something, I think that it's just a terminology for people with agency that are willing to work hard for their dream and to actually establish something. And it can be uh, something small, mm. like an afternoon project, mm. and it can be your, your next payroll. Uh, it can be something that actually makes you um, get a living from. So becoming an entrepreneur was, um, was actually something that happened to me from the world of activism. Mm -hmm. I was really drawn to activism uh, when I was studying environmental science. And when you're an activist, you kind of have to, you know, get up every day and kind of recruit people mm -hmm. to help you for free, or then maybe have a campaign on social media for a cause you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So that gave me the tools to then apply myself and actually um, write an application for a fellowship at MIT mm -hmm. um, that's called OGS. And mm -hmm. that's where I also got some tools. So I took some classes in entrepreneurship, uh, which I'm happy to discuss about. Yeah, yeah, I want to know everything about it. Uh, you're, you're, you're also mentioning something about that, you know, entrepreneurship is the ability to set project into the world and start something from the ground up and building something, creating something new and having a dream and putting that dream into reality. So what is your dream? What are you dreaming about? Wow, it's a beautiful question. I think that the number one thing that kind of ticks me as a human mm. is when something bothers me and I was like, oh my God, someone has to do something about yeah, it. Yeah. Someone has to do something about bike lanes not being accessible for people. And that was the first cause I was really passionate about. So I was like, let me write a letter to the municipality of Tel Aviv that the bike lane sucks and we have to change them. And same goes for Tulu, this product. I was like, it doesn't make sense for people to live in a building in a city and still own all the products that they own while their neighbors might have it. And then mm -hmm. everyone kind of uses these products for just a few minutes a week a month or even a year, mm -hmm. and then the it's just not a smart thing. Mm -hmm. So what really ticks me as a human is feeling like, ah, oh, someone has to do something about it, and then realizing that I can actually do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about Tulu. What kind of products do you do you rent out, and how, how does this work? 
So Twilio is a platform. It's an on-demand platform. It's being powered by an app. We actually operate in 24 cities worldwide. Uh, people have about 70,000 people have access to our products, uh, which is really exciting. And you know, just imagine you go to your lobby and you can open the app and rent a vacuum cleaner. You can rent an upholstery cleaner for, for, for the dog hair on your couch and you can rent a robot mop to clean your house. And then, so it's really by category. So we have the cleaning category, the hosting category, DIY, uh, playing, outdoors. Um, you know, it varies from cleaning appliances to novelty items like VR and PlayStation to hosting products like a chair and an air mattress to an air fryer, a projector, mm. a VR, mm. um, and the list goes on. So we also have scooters and bicycles. The, the idea behind Tulu is to give people access to products that they don't necessarily need to buy mm -hmm. and they can just pay as you go mm. um, to get access to them and make their life easier and simpler and yeah. also produce less waste. Is this something, does, did this exist before Tulu started or is this something totally new? You know, in, in all honesty, the, the, uh, of course, the concept of sharing has existed for years. And yeah. um, I, I'm happy that the technology in this, is making it possible for us to scale it to luxury buildings and to places in the city that you can't necessarily yeah. have a WhatsApp group and ask your neighbors, hey, mm. can I borrow this and that? Mm. So we created something that's really heavily technologically based with mm. an app and AI. Mm -hmm. but the exact concept was not existing. Mm -hmm. um, we're really pioneers in, in that space. Um, however, there's many community initiatives that we would like to support and, and, and help that are just, you know, mm -hmm. rooms with products you can borrow. Um, but our app is um, focusing on the consumer experience and personalization to know, okay, Henrietta likes to host, so you know, here's a package we're going to offer you and here's some upsells you can enjoy and, yeah. and really thinking about you as a person and what we could offer you. Mm. Well, what do you see as a challenge building this product? What is the most challenging building this product, right? Because you've been building it for four or five years now. Yeah. And like getting it into buildings, getting the users to use it and buy it and rent it. Like what is, what is the most challenging building this? Every day there's a new challenge. <laughs> yeah. I recently met some of the people that are currently in our accelerator um, that we were graduating from five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing is to take it day by day, mm -hmm. to have like a grand plan, a yearly and a five-year plan, but also to take the challenge day by day and ask like, what's the next thing I need to do to, do to get closer to the challenge? Yeah. Because, you know, naming a challenge, you know, okay, how do we scale the company mm -hmm. to 24 cities? That wasn't the question we started with when the company was forming. No. The question was, how do we make one single building work? Yeah. And then the second question was, what are the minimum amount of products that we can offer to make it a good business and yeah. for people to actually feel like this answers a need? So these were challenges and questions, I guess, we were kind of building the business with. But today, five years into the business, um, there's a few different questions, um, challenges we face. Um, it's a capital intensive business yeah. and um, there's operations involved, um, there's data involved, mm -hmm. um, and we're just 40 people mm -hmm. uh, serving a lot of clients and customers and, and wanting to innovate fast. And we're also a startup. So the curve has to be exponential mm -hmm. and we have to make more money than we did last quarter. So um, it's really challenges. It's, it's exciting business challenges that mm -hmm. I'm also surprised by how excited I get. Yeah. 
uh, to deal with them, uh, to build a profitable company? You know, th- these, 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 these are questions and challenges that we've, you know, we're lucky to deal with at our stage. Mm. And I think the beauty and also scary part about Tulu is that in order for it to really succeed, it has to be huge. Yeah. Like we wanted to be in every continent and every big building and we want people to make it into a habit and to really believe that this is part of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I feel it in New York as I, you know, you met my friends that have Tulu in their building and I I almost every time I go out, I know someone that has Tulu in a building. So it's definitely a reality in this city. Maybe in London, you'd meet people that know it and in Amsterdam as well. Mm -hmm. But making it into a standard, it's a challenge. And it's like something that's a branding issue, an operational challenge. It's like, it's all of this together and mm. we just have to stay super focused. Super focused and you just need to expand and share the word and the best marketing for this product might be also word of mouth and how can you kind of digitize the word of mouth? How can you create this awareness that this exists because it is a smart solution and I wish I had it in my own building, right? Because you know, moving and also people are moving everywhere. And like, why would you buy a new vacuum cleaner when you could just rent it? So it's really smart. But you're also 40 people in your team and you have big goals and big dreams. How How is it for you like being a leader and then like kind of driving the, the vision forward, even though there are challenges along the way? How can you kind of stay strong even though there are challenges? Leadership is, um, I, I like... Like that's the, my favorite content. Like I always find myself when I have a second, I like I would read a book about leadership. I think you can read a lot of books, but you have to really look inside and, and work on yourself, mm-hmm. you know, work on the things that make you more emotional and more sensitive. So first of all, you have to be emotionally healthy, I feel like to be a leader so you don't project on others the things that maybe you need to work on with yourself. Mm-hmm. And for a while, as we were raising our seed round, I was just so stressed and I would come to the office stressed and I would kind of have like a frown face. And I don't think I realized how, mu- how much my energy actually matters and mm-hmm. how much showing up in peace and, you know, project confidence actually yeah. is more important for my team rather than me worrying about the next financing round or the yeah. next scale, yeah. um, the next country we're opening. And mm-hmm. I just started focusing on small adjustments I can make in my own life, mm-hmm. um, you know, going out to dance or running or eating healthy so I can be more present. And when I am stressed, I can curve out time for it and kind of make a plan rather than just carry it in the back of my head all day long and kind of walk around the office with this weird energy because this energy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it finds its way to other people when you are in discussions and then you don't really get anything out of it. So I think the first thing I see in leadership is the self-work leaders should do on themselves. Mm. And you don't necessarily have to be a good leader because you have experience. Mm. And I think that's something, as a young woman, I started my company at 25. Mm. I was so insecure about my age Mm. and about my lack of experience, Mm -hmm. so insecure. And I think looking back, and you know, I'm still relatively younger than a lot of people who work at the company. I think intention Mm -hmm. and focus and being present with people Mm -hmm. matters more than actually saying, oh, I've done this before, here's how you do it. Mm. Like asking people the right question and being present with them might make you a better manager than if you actually ran a similar project 
in a marketing department or an operational yeah. department. Yeah, I get it. So maybe being first, you gotta save yourself before you can save others, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and this is this is also kind of hard because you you know you've raised money for this startup. You have strong goals. You have a trajectory. You're supposed to have a revenue like this and this because that's that's what your investors kind of expect of you, right? And you may might get stressed from that. So what are your what are your techniques to kind of be a good leader and be that good person um, to help others and also help solving the problem that you're tackling? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that focusing on what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. With what are you good at? That's a good question too. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I my natural... So any single person who's being asked what they're good at, mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of what comes naturally to you mm-hmm. and also what you're interested at. Mm-hmm. Because if you're really interested in something, you can become good at it because your motivation is higher. And I, my where I shine is with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's my feeling. I mm-hmm. really like working with clients. I really like meeting clients face to face. I really like our members. So the world of customer success was always something that naturally happened. Um, if one of our clients is upset, I am I'm upset, and then I'm really driven to solve it. So. Um, anything in the post-sale relationship and client management is something that I would say came naturally. What I'm interested at, that's user experience and branding and marketing and, you know, how to, um, the word of mouth, how to create that authenticity mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. a brand. These are things that I wouldn't say I'm good at, but I'm really interested at. So I made myself um, every single day learn more and more about, ask our residents more questions about the product work with experts that we brought onto the company so really that combination of what you're interested at and what you're actually like shining in you know if you ask your five closest friends hey what am i good at what they tell you is probably what you're also good at at your workplace yeah and i've tried reinventing the wheel and doing data and doing things that are you know i'm okay in but i don't think i should manage um Mm. and i think it's really important for someone to reflect and then say hey i can't be good at every single thing Mm. what are the number one or two things i really want to invest in in these next few years to become excellent in Mm -hmm. and you know you might have to give up some things but you can also work on your perfection as like being an expert a world-class expert which is something that i think is important Mm -hmm. yeah and how are you how are you going to be an expert in the like how are you branding yourself now? How are you doing the marketing and creating that word of mouth and, and creating a good brand? Well, what is your thoughts upon that? Where are you there? I think when you're building a product, whether it's a service or mm-hmm. a D2C um, brand, um, when, when you tell someone about your product, mm-hmm. the first few things they say, that's the word of mouth. Yeah, That's what they're also going to say in closed door behind your back on your product and um, and I started noticing how people talk about Tulu and they say, oh, it's a genius idea. It's really convenient. It saves me money. Mm-hmm. And and I think we started leaning towards that feedback and the wow effect and then building the product around it. So making it super elegant mm-hmm. and really insisting it will be in the lobby of a building and in the amenity space rather than the basement. Mm. So kind of leaning towards what the initial feedback customers are saying and then kind of negotiating our way with 
the landlords that we work with and the clients. Yeah, because that might be quite hard because you have a building, right? I'm, we're living in this kind of perfect building for having your product, right? How can you make it attractive for them to want it to be in the, maybe in the hall or where everyone walks by and where everyone sees it? So how are you creating this elegant product? Yeah, so when we started, it was really not about the appearance of the product. It was about the functionality and mm -hmm. making it pragmatic and bringing like the best vacuum and the best projector. But now it's okay, the, the display has to be aligned with the design guidelines of these luxury buildings so they can become a prominent customer of ours. Mm -hmm. So we've worked on designing a product that, I mean, both my co-founder and I and our design team who are super talented are driven by design. But I think we didn't even realize moving to New York from Israel, like, <laughs> which is such a different culture, culture yeah, yeah, yeah. that the design standard needed to be so much higher. Mm -hmm. And we just invested a lot of money mm -hmm. that we didn't necessarily have at the beginning to make the product really elegant. Yeah. Talking about, you know, colors that are elegant. So like, like really light wood, light wood color and black and bringing the best brands. So they attract more good brands. Yeah. And these are things that we had to work on because we didn't have money. And every time people were like, oh, just buy cheaper products or produce with cheaper wood. And we're like, no, this is how you start building a reputation, mm, investing yes. in those products so you can attract the clients mm. you want. Oh, but that's also really hard because as a startup, you start with a limited amount of money. So you need to prioritize what, what's most important to spend money on. Like a more expensive product or more expensive marketing it's very like hard to prioritize so um how, how do you kind of maintain those prioritations well what is what is most important for your company to grow it right now i think that it's still what was most important three years ago mm -hmm. and it's the trust we have from our clients mm -hmm. In the real estate market, um, and it might be in other markets as well, the trust you get from your clients goes really a long way because if one client really likes you, mm -hmm. they're just going to talk about you. Yeah. If it's landlords and property managers, they're going to talk about you. They're going to sign off on referring you to other people just because they had a really good experience with you. Yeah. And it's so delicate um, building that trust so I think we we've always prioritized spending money on making our customers happy giving really really fast service really good customer service really good client service and doing it fast and spending more there mm -hmm. versus things that could happen later down the road mm -hmm. um, so maybe acquiring less customers from the from the start but actually investing in the customers we have mm. And that saves you later marketing costs because yes. they refer you to other customers. Yeah, exactly. But how do you, how do you maintain your culture within the company? Well, what's your company culture like? How do you kind of maintain that while growing? Because I saw that when you raised the Series A funding, you also are hiring new people, right? In New York, London, and what was the third city? New York, London, Tel Aviv, and in Amsterdam. And Amsterdam, right. So you probably hire new people and you need to maintain the culture. How do you do this when your company is growing? You know, we started the company just two people. Yeah. And the culture was around hard work. And 
the mission um, does attract people, like making sure that people who come to work for us are aligned with the values we represent. Mm -hmm. But it's not the only thing. I think that having open discussions, confronting each other, um, saying what we think. We've, as of lately, we noticed that there's a lot of meetings. Everyone has so many meetings on their, their calendar. <laughs> so one of my colleagues had raised a thought about, you know, how... Cause a culture is not just the happy hours and the rituals. A culture yeah. is also a part of, you know, how do we show up to the office? How do we act in the office? Do we even go to the office? So we actually chose to come in the office four days a week because we believe in collaboration mm. and we feel like that's easier right now. We're a small company, we're growing really fast. And I think that's also part of the culture that we work together physically. Um, another part of the culture is when if you schedule a meeting, you have to say what it's for and what's the agenda. And if it really has to be 30 minutes or 45 minutes, or can it be a phone call or five minutes? So that eventually tra um, translates into a value of respecting each other's time mm. and doing the extra step. So I can tell you, Henrietta, I need you for this project, but uh, here's like, you know, giving you the, 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 the brief before we even hop on a call so you can come prepared. So it's things that I, you know, Prior to starting the company, I would never think are part of a culture, but now it's like, how do we show up for each other's? Mm -hmm. And if, and the version I am at work would probably be a similar version to who I am with my friends. Mm. So we're, I hope we are encouraging people to show up as themselves mm -hmm. and to speak their mind. And there's not really, uh, you know, there are roles and hierarchies, but anyone could talk to anyone right away. Yeah, you don't have to wait two weeks to meet with someone. Mm -hmm. Something is urgent, you can have it the same day. Yeah. And because we work in four different offices worldwide, mm -hmm. we really try to communicate the decisions that are being made overnight. Mm. We have a Slack channel and, and, and of course, like a, a newsletter that we write internally and different things we do so people can feel like they know what's going on. Yeah. And you know, the markets are changing and people have questions, it's their livelihood. So we are trying to be really transparent about how much money we have in the bank and like how much money we made this month and what do where do we need to go and are we behind on goals or are we going really good with our goals? And I think this is a culture. This yeah. is something that people eventually feel like they know what's going on. Yeah. Hmm. Nice words on, 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 on like nice, nice words on what a culture can be uh, as well. It's not about, you know, all the fun, it's also about what you actually do. Uh, well, what has been the biggest challenge for you then personally, like in this journey as, as being an entrepreneur, like you yourself, Yale, you know? I think I've, I've dealt with many anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. um, when we started the company, I was so, I was so committed to being successful. Mm -hmm. I was so uh, I was so committed to always saying the right thing and always appearing to be the smartest in the room, and I was so committed to being perceived as an executive where I was actually just starting out. I was a younger, you know, 25 year old, and I think um, I've, I've been calling it the great merge, and I decided to merge between the persona I was building as you know, this executive at the company and the founder, and also the persona I am with my friends and the daughter I am to my parents. And I'm just like merging all the, the versions because it's so tiring to try and show up as a different version to every mm. single, you know, friends group, uh, friend group that you have. So yeah, the great merge for me has been the biggest um, answer to the challenge I've had, which was 
let me try be perceived this way here and then perceived that way here. And I wanted to gain so much respect for my peers or the most respect that I actually needed was to respect myself. Mm -hmm. And that's been really helpful to just kind of let go of these different versions and say, hey, there's only one version, there's only one me and let me respect that version first and then show up as her to all these other avenues like work uh, because work takes such a big portion of my yeah. life. Yeah. And it's actually been really, uh, truly life-saving. Well, when did this happen and what did you do to kind of merge your, yeah, your... It was a lot of... Um, you know, I think when you, you know when you are not living authentically, mm -hmm. you feel it. And because you're rethinking what to say and how to say, and you are overthinking meetings you've had, just because you were compromising on showing up as who you are. And in order for me to show up as who I am, I had to go and work with a coach and discover what are the wounds that I'm still carrying with me in the meeting room. Like, why was I so triggered when someone told me to shut down my microphone? Why was I so triggered when this person was late to the meeting? Mm. Um, these are things that I don't want to bring with me to work. And I had to go back with my coach to life events that happened and kind of revisit them, work on them and free myself from them um, so I can merge all the versions. Yeah. It's so interesting that you're talking about um, that you had a coach. Because I also, <laughs> because I also had a coach myself, and this is like the part where you kind of go into yourself and ask yourself the hard questions, where you think, okay, who am I yeah. really? What are my values? What am I standing for? Because I think it's really easy for people to just, you know, go on in this, you know, rat race. You're just like going, 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 working, working, new goals, new things, but without asking yourself, who am I really, and who do I really want to be? So that's really good for you. Like, I'm happy for you to, that you are more authentic now. So if you started when you was 25, so now you're 29. 30. 30, you just turned 30. Uh, yeah, 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 a few months ago. A few months ago. Ah, so it's like five years in. This is so cool. I'm 25 years old now, so it's like Yay. almost like five years ago. Um, what's your best advice then for others who wanna, who are probably around 25 years old? Or what would you... What would you advise yourself before going out on this journey? I have tried so many things. And, you know, even before recording this, we're like, let's just start and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that has been my approach to life. Um, starting things, seeing how I like them, trying different roles, volunteering, doing mm -hmm. internship, just so I can gain some experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing, that approach of, let's just try this. Um, having said that, I remember when I started Tulu, um, I, I have a mentor, I'm still in touch with her. She's amazing, her name is Shira. And um, maybe two months into starting Tulu, I got another offer to become a CEO of this NGO that I have been following for years, um, a big NGO in Israel. And I told her, and she reminded me of something I told her yeah. that I said, you know, Shira, I'm really good at starting things. I'm really good at trying things. I really want to be good at finishing things. Mm. So sometimes there's a shiny new object, a shiny new position and staying where you are, 
definitely not the case for every single thing, but sometimes, sometimes pushing through the dull part, the administrative part, the boring part is what's going to get you to really succeed. And I'm so glad I stayed. Obviously, I'm so glad I stayed. I've, <laughs> yeah. It's my life mission. But, you know, it's scary because sometimes you start and it gets boring and it gets repetitive and there's no action. A startup might seem like a dreamy place on the outside, but there's so much work and so much administrative work. So on one hand, being being able to try different things, but on the other hand, like stick stick and work hard. Like mm-hmm. um, don't be afraid to launch versions of yourself. Don't be afraid to change yourself and don't be afraid to stay Mm. Even if it's not comfortable, because mm. sometimes sticking through will make you grow really fast. So I stayed, and I'm really glad I did. Mm-hmm. And my younger version is really proud of my of myself for staying as well. Mm-hmm. This is very. Um, um, I'm very um, um, touched right now when you're saying this because this is. Um, and this has never happened to me before that I've started, you know, I'm almost crying now because this is something I've been feeling right now being in New York. It's been challenging for me being here because it's such a harsh city and I feel sometimes lonely and I'm in this journey alone, you know. It's just been, I feel also that a lot of these interviews has been very repetitive and I feel like I'm asking the same questions and I feel like I'm getting the same answers. And, and... And I've just been confused because I don't know what to do next. And I've been thinking about this thing that you're saying. Okay, there's always something new, something shiny you can start doing. But figuring out, should I stay or should I go? That is a really hard thing to figure out. Um, yeah, now I'm just sharing and I'm sharing for, for how I've been feeling lately. And, and I think this also opened my eyes because this is another perspective Maybe I should stay. Maybe I should stick out for a little longer and see how it goes. Or maybe I should try something new. So I, I need some reflecting things to do for myself uh, as well. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. I think that's, you know, bringing more of you to this, I think, will yeah. matter a lot. And yeah, this is the, the hardest questions. And they're hard for a reason. Yeah. These are moments in life that ask, like, do you take a pivot or do you stick through? And... Um, it's amazing at such a young age how reflective you are and mm-hmm. how like daring you are. So I also hope you give yourself the credit uh, for everything you've accomplished because it's really not obvious. Thank you. Oh. Take a moment. Um, we are soon also done and I'm going to ask you the last question uh, that I always ask all my uh, interviewees. Um, if you got one million dollars right now to spend on whatever you wanted what would you spend them on the financially safety uh question like i i could take this answer in many ways mm-hmm. many ways but i i think that i would really like to do something for communities that could benefit from this um if like if i had to give out the money Mm. i'm really passionate about permaculture Mm -hmm. and urban farming Mm -hmm. and i'm really passionate about you know humans can be really destructive but Mm. humans can also build Mm. 
and there's a lot of smart people in the world and I am really optimistic in what we can do as a society mm -hmm. and if I had a million dollars not necessarily to invest in myself but to give out I would definitely focus on land regeneration mm -hmm. and focusing on projects that can make land fertile again mm -hmm. with um, agriculture types that kind of regenerate soil and then help communities build their economies on top of it. And there's a billion ideas I have around that and I hope that one day I'll get to kind of transition from tech to working with land. I'm really passionate about it. Um, and personally, like, I really like to travel. I do not, my, my wildest dreams are very not expensive. <laughs> my wildest dreams is to take a tent and hike. Um, I want to, I've hiked the Camino de Santiago when yeah. I was 20. That was a really important um, period where I just hiked and walked. Um, I've been to India, I've traveled, and I haven't done so much travel, like beyond, you know, I've, I go to Stockholm for work in London and it's amazing, but like, you know, the, the last hike I was on was, was actually in, in Sweden. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we are working with IKEA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is something we'll talk about probably um, in, in the press, hopefully next month. But mm -hmm. I went on a beautiful hike with colleagues of ours from IKEA. And that was just extremely beautiful um, to mix business and pleasure together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny to, to reflect on my dreams and, re and realize how the most amazing things I want in life are just not that expensive and I can actually afford them already, which yeah. is going to hike. Oh, that is so beautiful. I think it's the other way. <laughs> We're just sitting. I think that one is closed right now, so that's why. I'll just cut the ending, that's no worries. No. But uh, yeah, just a finishing comment to, to that is that, you know, being in a city like this, I, you also realize what really matters to you, that you don't need much to actually have a good life. You need your close friends, your close relations and nature and just, you know, yourself and being happy by being yourself. So, so living the dream life is really not expensive and i think you can live your your dream world you can create your own dream world by by you know designing the people you are with right yeah yes a hundred percent and yeah. I, I a few weeks ago we my friends and i went upstate um we rented a house and on saturday we went swimming in the river mm. and i was getting to feel like a child i was you know swimming and playing and jumping from a rope and then we went and cooked dinner and it was just so simple yeah but so fun yeah. and i've had the most productive week when i got back yeah and i remember even my co-founder was like oh my god you're on fire like what is it it's like I was spending time in nature and refueled, like fueled my tank. And yeah. you gotta fuel your tank. Yeah. And you gotta do it with things that are actually nourishing. Yeah. A good sleep, friends, food, nature. Yeah, exactly. So simple. Sleep also. Yeah. Sleep is so important. It's important. Yeah. We have one body, one body to take care of us, and we need to take care of it. Yeah. Body and mind and relations. As Esther Perel says that the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. Yeah, that's true. And I think maybe that's why I also feel lonely in the city because I don't have those close relationships yeah. yet. If I would live here, I would of 
I would get them. But I also have close relationships with my family and I miss them. And I want to be with them, but I can't because they're so far away. It's hard. So maybe this is a sign that, 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 that you know, what really matters in life is your relations and, and the relationship to yourself as yeah. well. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Yale, to join Business Talk. Where can people find you if they want to connect or, or anything? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And this is what makes my job much better, uh, getting to connect with people like you that I wouldn't otherwise probably meet. And um, I'm really also interested in helping other people. So if, you, if anyone is listening to this podcast and wants to connect on LinkedIn mm -hmm. or wants to connect on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, these are the two main channels I'm on. And I would love to, to hear from you what you liked about uh, the, the, the podcast or, or the episode with us um, because um, it actually gives me a lot of power. Yeah. When people reach out and, yeah. and, and say something about Tulu or about something we said. or So that would be amazing. So yeah, LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah, El Shemmer in uh, both. Yeah, uh, El Shemmer. Both channels, yeah. I will link it below Thank so you. they can find you. And um, until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>